Today in our service, we experienced the lighting of the joy candle, and thank you to Clara and Sophia and Owen for helping us with that today. That is the pink candle. Uh, We have that symbol of joy on a day when our text repeats the refrain of the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi, where he says, rejoice. Again, I will say, rejoice. Listen anew to Paul's words to the church. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is excellence in any way, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, may these words stir the music in us that moves us to the rhythm of your kingdom and where you would have us be and go as your people as we receive anew the joy this season offers us. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we're going to begin this morning first with an apology to the Chambers family. Uh, Eleanor, who I, I listed her incorrectly as part of the candlelighting, and she let me know while she walked up for the children's sermon that I had gotten her name wrong, so please tell her we're sorry. That was Eleanor, not Sophia Chambers. It's important to recognize who is helping with us. (laughs) Speaking of memory, some of you might remember those television commercials that advertised those compilation albums of greatest hits. If you do, you might might remember seeing, oh, I don't know, let's say, uh, an agreeably handsome fellow Not too young, not too old, maybe a little more hair, and wearing nice, comfortable slacks and a very inoffensive beige sweater. You see the man tending the fire. He looks up with a smile and says to you, think about those really big hits you love hearing on the radio. I mean today's kind of music with that soft, easy beat. If you could get those special songs on one album, that would be something worth playing over and over again. That album is Heartbeat, a giant collection of original hits. And then over tender scenes of people walking, holding hands, or riding horses, you would see a montage of song titles up the screen with matching snippets of music that match those songs Closing by a very abrupt and jarring blue screen with words that tell you where to send your check or, morning, check or money order in order to receive and own this piece of musical paradise. 
I have one of those albums. <laughs> but I imagine those albums, like today's modern playlists, are appealing and still are to you and to those who like music because they give music lovers easy access to our favorite songs, the ones that make our hearts beat, the ones we want to hear again and again. And if such a compilation album existed for the words and the passages of Scripture, today's reading would certainly be included in the list of those names and words of titles going up the screen. Paul's encouragement to rejoice, his assurance of the nearness of God, his promise that by laying anxiety and fear aside and making our requests known to God that we would obtain a peace surpassing all understanding, these are the heartbeat words of the Bible, ones that we in the church have been playing over and over again, and for good reason. Unfortunately, however, if all we listened to were the greatest hits, those hits might lose their power to make our hearts beat. In playing them over and over, they can become monotonous, lacking the oomph that they once held for us, tempting us to lay the old songs aside in search of new scratches for our itchy ears. So it is also with scripture passages. Philippians 4 has long been a favorite passage of mine, one that I have used in many a sermon, memorial, and wedding. And when I saw that it was among the lectionary options for today, I think my frequent use of that passage led me to say, Rejoicing? Again? Haven't we played that song enough? Thinking that maybe we ought to attend to a different passage, I almost chose the alternative lectionary text to which I will return later. But then I saw what Paul wrote towards the end of our reading today. He said, keep on doing the things that you have learned and seen and received and heard in me, and the God of peace will be with you. It is as though Paul anticipated the inclination of his listeners and future preachers would have to stray from what they have always loved to hear in search of some novel tune. Don't leave this melody just yet, he seems to be saying. The Lord is near, so rejoice again. Again, I will say, rejoice. Paul is not urging nostalgia. Elsewhere in his letter, he shared, The one thing I do is forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the heavenly prize of the call of God in Christ Jesus. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. For Paul, sticking with what we know does not mean being stuck where we are. Somehow, both holding fast and straining ahead can be part of the same movement. Against the Philippians' desire to reject the same old, same old message for fear of being in a rut, Paul says, no, keep going. That rut may just be the groove 
taking you where you want or need to go. I wonder if you all have been reading the Advent devotionals that our worship committee have been preparing for us. They are very good. You can find them online. You can find them in hard copy in the sanctuary. There's a brilliance to those devotionals. Why do I say that? Because last week's devotional says what I was going to say in the sermon. (laughs) Namely, that our human craving for novelty can misdirect us from the newness that we seek. The devotional of last week explored the words of the 96th Psalm, in which the people of Israel were urged to, quote, sing a new song to the Lord. But the Israelites found their new song through the old one. They found that the song was new by singing it with new feeling. In other words, a song can be new even as the song remains the same. How can this be? I think it can happen when we bring something to the music or the scripture or the tradition or the regular movements and patterns and routines of our lives. Perhaps newness can also come by not breaking from what we know, but injecting something into it. Perhaps something that is not necessarily new, that has been always around us, but not yet paired with what we're singing or doing. For an example, I turn to the other lectionary passage for today, which is Luke chapter 3. And in Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist rebukes and cautions the crowds seeking to be baptized. By way of experiment, what would happen if we brought John's harsh words of warning to Paul's comforting words of assurance? We would be left with this. Rejoice in the Lord always, you brood of vipers. (laughs) Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Who warns you to flee from the Wrath that is to come. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Don't worry about anything. (laughs) But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the peace of God, (laughs) which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. For his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the thrashing floor, and to gather the wheat into his granary. So keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard in me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. And the God of peace will be with you. And the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The word of the Lord. And just saying... The people on this side of the room are not bad. (laughs) I just needed a foil, so thank you. This may have been an odd pairing. But for me, adding John's words to Paul's injects new life and new urgency into Paul's letter, making this hearer's heart beat faster and pulse to quicken. Urgency was always there in Paul's letter. 
but John's voice gives it new sound. We hear anew that there are stakes involved in this rejoicing, that there is peril in not sticking with what we have known and loved and hoped to be true. The Lord is near and the axe is poised to cut the chopped wood. In musical parlance, putting these disparate texts together is akin to what is known as sampling. Sampling involves using a portion of one song or recording in another. Producer and DJ Mark Ronson says that in sampling, we take the things that we love and we build on them. By sampling, we have a chance to be part of the evolution of the music and be linked with it once it becomes something new again. In, our, in the case of our text today, we find that by adding Sir John to Sir Paul, we can make new music from old notes, just like the Beatles. Just like it was with the Israelites and the song of the 96th Psalm that became new to them. In Scripture, we can find in the prophet Isaiah the words of God, I am about to do a new thing. Do you not perceive it? And then in the book of Ecclesiastes, we can hear someone say, there is nothing new under the sun. These may not be contradictions. That which is new can be revealed through that which has been there all along. A newborn baby who is gloriously unique from every child born before her is made of elements and compounds that have been in existence since the beginning of matter and time. What makes her new is the way those pre-existing substances have been brought together. It's nature's way of sampling, and in faith we believe God to be in the midst of it. Paul was a good sampler. In jail, facing execution, he injected his pre-existing joy into a place of starkness, forming out of incarceration the emerging cells of new creation. Jesus, too, was a sampler. He said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, for I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. He sampled old psalms and old prophecies and old laws to form his unique message and life, forming for his followers the contours of the new life being ushered into reality by his Father in heaven. So following these examples, we as a church are called a sample. It's what we try to do in sermons. We take words of scripture that have been there all along. We read them and then inject our lives into those words and those words into our lives. And the result is always something new. Not novel, but new. Similarly, today we have welcomed new members and they are new, not because they are new creations, because, but because they are newly joined with us. And in being joined with them, we as a congregation are being made new. When Paul said, keep on doing the things that you have seen and heard and received, his call is not to spin like an old record stuck 
in its stationary rotation, but like a frisbee rotating in flight, like a whirling planet spun by God to traverse the galaxy, to go somewhere. That somewhere is our fullest and most abundant life with God, which we celebrate this Advent and Christmas by by welcoming anew our Savior, who was and is and will be God with us. Our celebration is full of traditional hymns and the well-worn traditions of home and family. These are our greatest holiday hits, to which we return year by year, sometimes energetically and sometimes less so. For these traditions to be more than ruts, but the grooves leading us to the peace and joy of new life together, we may need to inject something of ourselves into them, a new feeling or a newly articulated intention or a sampling where we connect the words and melodies of our traditions to people, places, and situations with whom they have not been previously paired. Paul knew, and I know, and we know, that keeping on these grooves can be hard. It can feel monotonous, rote, repetitive, like a routine. You have seen, no doubt, in the restrooms of rest stops or restaurants, those stickers that say, thou shalt wash your hands for at least 20 seconds. Try that sometime. It feels like forever. But that repetitive motion is one of anticipation. Like those on the eve of a great feast. That anticipation lies behind Paul's admonition to the Philippians to keep on doing what they know. That hope is the fuel that fired John the Baptist's burning words. God is near. We are close. Don't stop. Keep washing. Be ready. This is urgent. Thanks to Paul, and his heartbeat words of scripture. We are reminded that repetition is not monotony, it's readiness. A readiness for something entirely new that at its heart is really quite old. No commercial can capture it, no compilation can contain it, and we are invited to do more than just sample it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, we will say, rejoice. Let us tend to the fire of these words. Amen.